really wasn't kidding about going. Oh, hello, friends. Hey, buddies. Hey, pals. How's your week going? Is it going well? Did you sleep last night? Are you well rested? If you're anything like me, then you're exhausted all the time because adulthood. Hey, what fun. All right, that's a fun little uh, tangent. But now it's time for your favorite podcast. It's terribly funny. Brand new episode coming at you. This, of course, is the podcast where I talk to funny people about genuinely terrible things that have happened to them. And this week, we have a doozy of a guest. Uh, She's a delightful actress, writer, comedian, host, producer. It's Lindsay Ames, everybody. Lindsay Ames. What can I tell you about Lindsay? Well, she's performed in uh, a lot of things that you know and love. Things like, uh, back in the day, Beauty and the Beast. Also, College Humor Originals. Also, Key and Peele. Ever heard of it? Uh, And she's also uh, been on Conan and a lot of other delightful things. She's very talented, but the thing that makes her uh, a kindred spirit to me, a like-minded person, is that she does essentially what is kind of like a live-action, a live-show version of this podcast called My Diary. It used to be at UCB, and currently it's running, uh, I believe, monthly at Dynasty Typewriter here in Los Angeles. So if you're in town, go check it out. It's very fun. Uh, It's uh, having very funny, talented comedians and uh, actors and things of that ilk uh, come on and read from their old diaries. Oftentimes it's embarrassing and silly and ridiculous, as diaries are wont to be. And sometimes it's uh, poignant and heartfelt and heartbreaking. It's uh, And all those things uh, are my sweet spot. So, you know, go check it out. Uh, She's great. And today she's going to talk to us about all sorts of fun stuff, but mostly... Ooh, abusive relationships. Yeah, that fun stuff. Uh, what it's like to find yourself in a relationship uh, where, oh no, how did I end up here? Where you're like kind of the frog in the in the, in the the pot of water and it gradually got hot until it suddenly was boiling and you're in trouble. Um, so we're going to get into all that fun stuff in just a second. But before we do, it's time to eat your vegetables, friends. Let me do my shill. It'll be quick. Hey, do you like this podcast? If you do, go to our iTunes page. Go to our SoundCloud. Subscribe. Also, go to our iTunes page. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Those are nice things. It'll take you a second, and it'll mean the world to me. Also, uh, check us out on our social media. We're fucking hip. On Twitter, it's terribly underscore funny. On Instagram, it's terribly funny podcast. And if you want to uh, drop me a line, say, what's up, Steve? Say, hey, I enjoyed this episode. Or I'm just lonely. Or, hey, I didn't like this episode. I'm open to all of it. Drop me a line at terriblyfunnypodcast at gmail. I'd love to hear from you. This week, I got some emails from Adam and Aslan, and it was great to hear from them. Thank you for dropping the line, gang. I really appreciate it. Okay, that part's done. Now let's get to what you came here for, the meat and potatoes. And that, of course, is the delightful Lindsay Ames. Let's get some theme music. Because it was a hard day, and I just feel yeah. like, yeah, it always comes when you need it the most. Well, can I ask, because we kind of delved onto this, and yeah. this is something that um, I have, uh, you know, always, because it's one of those things that you're confounded by until you see it closer up, but, like, you started the show because you are coming out of an abusive relationship. Yeah. Did you, because it's always interesting, I think, when I've seen friends uh, experience it, or whenever I've been in any facet of that, it's always kind of confounding how it happens because like you're a smart person Mm -hmm. you're a reasonable person Mm -hmm. uh you don't seem to be like someone who's drawn to chaos Mm -hmm. but i feel like is it oftentimes like the frog in the in the pot of water that it's heating and heating until you realize like what the fuck how did this how is it boiling yeah like how did you find yourself in that situation it's so crazy because i one of the things that i said to my sister after it had ended i said that i was one of the scariest things is that after the experience I believe that I could have been 
become a victim to a cult. <laughs> like a brainwashing, because yes. that is what happens. I mean, when you get gaslighting, gaslighting is the same as brainwashing, right. manipulation. Um, at the time, so this person mm-hmm. has a very long history of being manipulative sure. and abusive. Uh, I was friends with the person and just thought, I mean, I never was interested in dating him. Um, but he manipulated me into dating him because right. he was one of my very close friends. And I was just like, Oh, he's a mess. But like, he's so, yeah. When it's a friend, it's like, Oh, it's, it's yeah, fun. It's, it's a scamp. I don't and care. And he was even staying on my couch because he had just like, he ended up and he convinced me that his ex attacked him, but he attacked his ex oh, and the cops were calling and everything and he needed to get out of there. So I of course gave him my couch for a bit. And at that time I just come back here because, um, uh, my immigration, there was an immigration crisis. Everybody thought it was just, you know, uh, it hit everybody. Right. Uh, my visa got denied on a technicality that did not exist. Cool. Um, I, yeah, mm-hmm. I luckily got out of an, it was another, but it wasn't that relationship. It's so funny. I've said this before. So I, I left and I didn't know if I was going to be able to return to the States, but I do kind of think it was the universe getting in my way because right. I was dating somebody for two and a half years and we were very much on the road to being Splitsville. No, we were going to get oh, engaged. Like oh, he's going to propose to me, oh, wow. but I started getting like a lot of anxiety and mm. I, I realized that he was like a high functioning alcoholic and I didn't know what that was before, right. but like, you know, there were like little signs and those things that you're like, is this wrong? He was a lot more subtle than this next the relationship. Next man, yeah. um, but it took a lot of time to be like, is this normal? Right. And then finally, like I had my first and only panic attack in that. And my sister kind of just knew and she knew what it was from. And she kind of got to the bottom of it. And I, I realized that like I needed to get out of this relationship right. Right. and I really did dodge a massive bullet only to get hit by another one. But you know, whatever I got back to Canada, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to come back to, um, the U S my grandfather passed away two days after that. And he was like, you know, a second father. Rain support. Yes. This huge trauma happened in my family. That was like monumental. And I ended up going back, um, to Toronto. A lot of great things happened from that trip. And I came back here and I did a lot of healing and I was at that point where I was like, I'm going to say yes to everything. Sure. And Which is cathartic, cathartic, I think, in a lot of ways. And a lot of great things were happening. Mm-hmm. This person then started asking me to date them. And we had a chemistry. And there was an attraction that was building. Right. But also, I think it's like being in the space, all this stuff. But I was not going to date this person. I was looking and I was trying to date sure. other people. I was even dating somebody else. And he sat outside on that porch for like, 40 minutes one time like and it happened a bunch because he would even be like date me date me date me yeah and then he'd be like he basically turned every reason that i had for not dating him around on me he Mm -hmm. was like you don't want to date me because of this and this and this but i love you more than anybody and i care about you and i know you better and i'm your best friend and you're saying yes to everything why aren't you saying yes to me? And then you that's start intoxicating when yeah. someone says like, I love you and I know you, yes. like that's what we all want. And they do. And you have yeah. like, it's one of your best friends and you just laugh and laugh. Like we used to make each other laugh so hard. Right. And I do think that that's a huge for anybody who's in comedy and funny, like to be able to laugh with someone and 
joke around it and have a shorthand in that special way. Oh, it is. It is like the most, um, I was going to say erotic, but that's not true because it's not even like a sexual thing, but it's just like your heart is just like, yes. Yes. You see, it's, it's, yeah. I guess, the truest way of being seen. Yes. You really see, feel seen. And I love love and I love mm-hmm. take, you know, taking care of people. I love, I'm a nurturer by mm-hmm. nature. Sure. And, uh, and so when things start to happen and I, I mean, he would make me question myself and I would just question myself and then right. it just got into such a bad place. And that's how the relationship started with mm-hmm. you. Like mm-hmm. him just kind of like mm-hmm. asserting his will, but in a way that seemed lovely mm-hmm. initially. But I knew it was wrong too, because I, I kept it secret for a long time. And yeah. anytime there's any sort of clandestine, yeah. it feels like, why, why, why do I feel I, the need to like, be, I want to celebrate. Uh-huh. This is, should be a positive thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so there was always this kind of like not great feeling associated with it, but I, you know, you're like, but I love this person. This is my best friend. Like maybe this is, I, I remember thinking so often, maybe this is that thing. Like they always say it's actually who you least expect or, or, you know, like any relationship is work or I just really deluded myself. How long were you together? Or how long, when did you start to, you were secretive I, for a stretch? We were secretive for like probably three or four months. And then he was really upset with that. And so then I was like, okay, came out and we were like, okay, we're a couple. And then this stuff started getting really bad like it was already I mean he was like an alcoholic and he was a really really bad alcoholic and drug addict and like just um sociopath and so like I remember the day the breaking point came one of the breaking points came when like more my rock bottom was that I what did I I came no I got him home from this he was wasted and he was so much bigger than I am. Mm -hmm. Like he was like six foot something guy, like just big dude. And he was wearing his metal boots. And I remember I was trying to get him in here and he was falling all over the place. And, um, he fell in my bathroom too. And it was so scary because there were so many sharp edges that I was like, Oh my God, he's going to like, this is going to go bad. But I ended up getting him into bed and like, he was just the things he was saying on the way there were just like super evil and not great, but I got him to bed and then I woke up and he was peeing in my hamper. Oh sure. Yeah. As you do. At least it's dirty clothes. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Already. It's it's not like it's that clean laundry basket. Yeah. 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 True. Mm Would have been just such a injury. Once you've already like gotten all fluffy and fresh out. And so the next, like, I obviously didn't sleep at all. Um, and there was like stuff in the bed. It was awful. And then, um, when I managed, I had to go, I remember, I I think I, I left and I was, um, at a store with a friend of mine and he had texted me something that was like something about last night. He didn't remember. And I was Mm -hmm. like, you don't remember last night. And I told him, and I think his response was something like, Oh, I, you're going to be mad now or something, you know, just something so shitty. No, like real apology right. for it. And it was a thing like, as if I was such an asshole, like I've been such an asshole to him lately yeah. because of this stuff. And, um, and, or just like the excuse is like, I don't remember it. Yeah. And so that should be like, Oh, Me. well then culpability is out the window because yeah. you don't, you're still responsible. You're still, it's still you, you and you still got, hurt me. Yeah. But he, when, was that was that but that wasn't even it was just that like i had come home 
and he was sitting on the couch watching Family Guy while uh-huh. I was like went to go get the quarters and went to go do the laundry that From, he had, that he had pissed yeah. on. Yeah. And him just sitting sulking there, like just being you know, I was just like that fuck you. And then of course, you know, I went through the like he cried and sobbed and was like, I am an alcoholic. I'm going to go get help. Right. And then you think the person does that. And then it's just like, it is like baby steps, but they never, it's never. a step forward, but always a couple yeah. step back. Yeah. yeah. And that might be, you might be able to go through, you know, it's like for anybody who, who is an alcoholic, who's getting dry, you know, it's like you will hopefully get there and you'll do the work and go to the meetings and stuff. But I think it's already, at least in my sit in that situation, there was, too many other things at play and too many other um, ways that he had been abusive and damaging that right. even if he had been dry from that point on, I think he... You couldn't go back? No. Well, you said when you brought him up here that he was just like spitting like vitriol, like being... Mm-hmm. Was that like the first time or no. how did, when did that come out? Because that... Yeah. When I've experienced that in the past, it's always confounding. Like, what? What? Yeah. What is the streak? Yeah. And where and why. I mean, he used to just kind of say shitty things a lot. But then the real, like, there were definite real patterns. And what would happen is he'd start, he'd say something really shitty. And then he'd go and he'd, he'd um, just have, like, a verbal diarrhea of, like, shittiness. And he was so, he's very smart, right. very funny. And he was great with words. And so they just come out like all the right ways to hurt New, you and every, say like, vulnerability in your armor. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he'd do that. And then, you know, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here, like whatever. And then I'd get millions of texts that would be like, it would first be apologetic. And then it'd be, you know, it's a whole cycle. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, this, that. And then there'd be a switch in that that would then sure. turn to me being like an asshole. And like, I've never cared for him and I've always judged him and, I never wanted the best for him and uh but but you know it's like you're a fu- there I think the worst and the final one came when there was one out of the blue we had been having it I finally got him out of my place and mm-hmm. he owed me so much money sure and had been living off of me but he went to go live back at his old house with his roommates um and he called me from the grocery store and asked me to help him grocery shop. And I, we were having a really good conversation. I was helping him shop through the store and he was like, okay, now I'm going to skateboard home. And I was like, great. And he had texted me something like it's beautiful in the night. And then the next text 15 minutes later was, I hope you get your head chopped off. Oh no. Yeah. I hope you get your fucking head chopped off. Was, what was the catalyst for that? I I mean, that's, that's very great. It's one thing like I, it was, that one was the craziest switch. Like usually other things like, I could, but even those things too, you'd be like, I don't know in my nature, if I'm upset with someone like a, there's always a conversation that you can yes. have. I never raise my voice. Um, the, the times that I have, it, it is, uh, it's a real bummer because like, this is not me. You are. Yes. And it's, and it's, yeah. and I find myself like in the moment, like I am yelling like a lunatic. Mm-hmm. What is this? This is not who I want to be. The first boyfriend, the functional alcoholic. Yeah. I remember there was this one time because his nickname was First Step Panic because he... His name was First Step Panic? His nickname, like, that's what I gave him that nickname because he was just okay. so, like, he was always his shtick, which then became very much who he was. Like, you know, at first you're like someone like Larry David. You're like, oh, so much of that is shtick. Right. But then it's like, no, that's really who they are. Yeah. And so my ex, he was like, 
everything was always like startling and just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was first at panic. And so he would always instigate things. <clears throat> and the first time he'd instigate, I'd always be like, why are you doing that? Right. And then he'd stop and he'd go, oh, yeah. I don't know why I'm doing that. That's stupid. I go, okay, cool. That's reasonable. Right. And then it'd be like maybe a day or two between, but then as the relationship was getting closer, it would be like, many times throughout the day where it's like he'd do something I'd be like why are you doing that that's like not kind like just be sweet yes you're right I'm sorry then 20 minutes would go by and he'd do it again and you know saying needling whatever it was and I'd be like bro what are you doing and then like the stuff would happen and then he'd he'd start going and be like I can't I just and then I'd match and I'd say my voice yeah doesn't ever go up there but for when I'm with you in this and you're just and you're instigating like your cre- life is full of enough hardships and dramas that like we don't need to be doing this. It's fucking tough out there. It's <laughs> yeah. it's tough. It's so it's rough. Uh, you, look, yeah, um, me especially, uh, white straight guy in this country yeah. hit the jackpot. Yeah, hit it. But it's still fucking tough. Yeah. Even like with as exactly. lucky and as fortunate as I've been, I've still been through the muck. And, that's and the it's thing. St- and even when like things are good now, there's nothing. I don't have anything to worry about right now. And I'm still not happy. Yeah. I'm still like every day is like it's a crapshoot. It's a struggle. And I I have the best circumstances. <laughs> totally. And that's the thing. And all these guys are straight white guys too. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, what are you doing? You have been given all of the gifts. Yes. Like, what are you doing? And well, it's, it's so it's tough out there. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need somebody else compounding yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. And just be chill. Like, Let's help especially, each other. Because everything else that we had was like super rat. Like we. There were so many amazing things to that relationship that it was just such a bummer that this was, I mean, but at the end of the day, like he too, I really realized that was my first, I, I never knew before moving to LA. This is the guy that you almost married or you almost yes, got engaged. You yes. Thought. Yeah. yeah. And cause I didn't know also what a sociopath was yeah. and I didn't know what a narcissist was. And so these two, I, are we're both right um and because in canada like i had a a lovely relationship for like five years with somebody that was such a sweetie wasn't my meant to be but you know like i know the other yeah and um it's interesting i started seeing a newish i see two therapists so that's cool oh um but i started seeing a new one a little while ago just for a bunch of things she does emdr which i think is fascinating yes that's what mine yeah yeah yeah. um but when i first sat down with her she said something interesting like she's like i think we we are all more evolved and we're becoming more at least in this bubble like more emotionally intelligent but we throw things Mm -hmm. around like uh narcissist and sociopath and borderline and all that shit very easily Easily. when it's like because but i it's a way it's a catch-all and she i I thought she said something i know interrupting but yeah no 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 um, i'm interrupting you uh she said that like i try not to put those labels on because i think they're a very gendered she's like almost every dude is a so if if there's any sort of you know trauma or that elicits Mm -hmm. a sort of lack of empathy sociopath and for a woman it's borderline so she's like, I think those are like oh. kind of, uh, there's a sexism in just those, in those labels. That's interesting. Yeah. And I do agree with that. I will say that in both cases, the reason that I use those terms is that, I mean, and still, who knows, oh, no, I'm right? Sure. There may be very no, much tension. and totally, yeah. yeah, because I did, because people had suggested. Right. And so then I started doing the research. Mm-hmm. And then also through talking with my therapists, that's what's been established though 
regardless, if they don't go into either of those categories, both very manipulative and yes. also just and toxic. That's all that At the end of the day, it's just manipulative and toxic, yeah. right? Yeah. So whatever the other things are, um, just not the right place yeah. to be in. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so um, what was I saying? It was just that the that... Oh my God, we want to. Well, I have a question for you. And yeah. if, you, if you, if you, there think was what you're a point saying, to that. Yeah, yeah. You, we'll circle back. Yeah. But so you dated this guy for two and a half years, the first guy, the guy you almost got engaged to. Yeah. When you recognized, because clearly there was some, um, uh, some frailties and there was some problems and the things in your gut, like the panic and yeah. the fact that you got to the place where you're shouting. I isolated myself a lot too. You did. Yeah. It, which is that's a bummer too, because like this is not who I am. Yeah. How did you? How were you able to like? pull the ripcord because I think that is a thing that is on each one on the first one I guess I guess on each one but the first one it feels like you said there were so many things yeah. that were great about it yeah like I think that's because there were so many things I guess what I'm saying is well there were so many great things about it and then also there were so many things that checked those boxes right. that you know that you're like okay at this time in my life and like uh we're both from Canada right. and like I actually really like his family, he's the first boyfriend that my parents really liked. Oh, yeah. um, and that's that's very that's a very intoxicating. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, but they're, they're, they they yes. fit into my life so nicely. But then my sister, who's more, because my my parents just want to see me happy and they want to see sure. me with someone, and they weren't with us that much, right? You know. But my sister, who can suss out, you know, the way a parent yeah. can, would be like, oh, they're such a nice person, but it's like your sister is like, or brother is like your friend. They get it. They're they get pure. it, and yeah. they're pure. Yes. So. Uh, when I had the feelings, my sister very much, she never wanted to put it on me, you know, because if I was happy with this person, then she's going to be happy for me. But the minute I started questioning and questioning to her, she was just like, ring the alarms and like, get out. Um, It's nice to have a mirror like that. But then sometimes that mirror, you're like, no, no, you don't don't get it. You're the fun house. But I was ready. Right. Because if I if if we had had this talk and that's why I was alone with it for so long and feeling so awful and physically feeling awful as right. well that I spoke to her at the right time so the message was received and and then against my will the immigration stuff happened so I was gonna have to go to Toronto for well I didn't know if I was gonna be able to to come back at to all. Come back at all. Yeah. So, uh, I feel like the universe kind of stepping in in some capacity. Exactly. I really, like it really felt, I mean, with a bunch of other very tough lessons, but, but yes. And I, I very much like, it was difficult because, um, I started feeling it and then closer because he was becoming so much more, um, like belligerent and just, uh, he was picking fights so often, um, that I started the conversation before I left and he very much, you know, wanted to stay together and he wanted to get married and he came to Toronto and tried. But by the time he came to Toronto, so many things had happened and I knew that I felt better and more relieved without him in my life. So then I ended it and it, we talked for a little bit and then he just became very petty. And then we, we ended up, he reached out to me in a way that felt like maybe he was doing his 12 steps, Mm. but it was also typical classic like felt like narcissistic him like I got a text out of nowhere that said hey I'm reaching out to people who I may not be on the best terms with and uh I just want to see if you're up for having a coffee but there was never and I I did it I ended up hanging out with him and some some of his Mm. friends that lived right across the street and I found a bunch of stuff that I was like wow really did 
dodge a massive right, bullet. Right. Sure. But uh, he never, there was no like apology or any step and he was drinking. So I don't know. I don't know. Huh. I was curious about that. When you, so when you ended it, did, was it just like, cause I think everybody is different. This is the thing I've talked about on this podcast. And the thing that I've struggled with is mm-hmm. like, were you just like, this is over. Goodbye. For now, like cold turkey. Mm-hmm. At some point, our paths yeah. may cross, and yeah. that's cool. You have to do that. Yeah. I remember here, it was not like that. Like, I had to actually block, because I ended up taking the, the second the X. Second. Yes. I ended up taking that X to court. So oh, no. that was, like, very, you know, that's going to really <laughs> truncate yeah. your conversation. Yeah. But before that, before I had done that, I remember the last time, because I needed to get, he had my backpack. <laughs> and I remember I wanted to get my backpack back. Uh, which is, I think, one of the best sentences mm-hmm. ever. And I remember hiding in here with the lights off because I wasn't sure when he was going to come. I knew there was like a window. Right. And I did not want to be here. I did not want to let him into my house. I did not want to see him. And I had the, I remember hearing the sound of his steps coming down the hallway and like dropping off the thing. And I was so quiet. And I was right. like just sitting in the dark. I remember playing on my phone for a couple hours until. Yeah. And those moments, that's like, when you're in that moment, you're like, how did, did I, I get, get here? here? Yeah. There were so many times, there was a time truly when I was in the bathroom, like on the ground sobbing. I think he was passed out in the next room and I was sobbing and like, I wasn't able to eat very much. Like I'd lost like 10 pounds. I right. just looked like crazy. And, uh, and I was like sobbing and I was kind of out loud I asked for help like I was like somebody help me which is so nuts like I was like who am I especially like with the things that had happened in my life and the things that I felt like I had overcome to be in that position again like I felt like such a loser and I felt yeah that's been the hugest thing is just feeling like I brought all of it on myself and yeah, I'm such yeah. a loser for doing that. Because isn't that a thing where, because um, it feels like, well, I, even if it is the frog in the boiling water, like, and you didn't know it initially, You're it's smart. like, okay, well, yeah. this has happened twice now. Yeah. What How am I times? doing? Right. What am I doing yes. that is inviting this in? Yeah. Did well, you, what did you do do to, like, get combat that, that or not feel this the self-critical nature of that? Oh, I 100% feel the most self-critical all right. the time. Like I am the hardest on myself, just like I think most of us are. Of course. Um, and it really was through doing a lot of therapy. I did Lotus in the Lily, which uh, a bunch of writer friends suggested. It's uh, it's like a self-help program um, that's useful for a myriad of different reasons. And they also say that it can not just self-help is that it like brings manifestation and abundance and all that stuff. I mm-hmm. think the way it's written is way too flowery and obnoxious for me, but the lessons and the, it, it is journaling also. Um, but the lessons that you learn and the things you take away are, are greater than the sum of its parts. Right. Uh, and I remember I had actually tried doing it once and there's chapter, I think two or three is forgiveness. And I had to stop there cause I was just not ready to forgive. Right. Right. And then it took me a year. Forgive yourself or the others? Both. Yeah. I still, I'm not sure if I've, totally forgiven myself because yeah. I think that's probably a lot of like whenever I get back to these places like I said this week I've been so hard on myself things have happened and I think I always end up coming back and I'm like oh you wasted so much time with this person and this and doing this and you stopped yourself from being able to do the thing that you came to this country to do right. which is like also so 
infuriating and defeating. Like I, I get very disappointed in myself for that. Um, because I was raised in a way that I feel like I know better. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, so I, I've done a lot of therapy. I went to this program, which I would suggest to everybody 20 billion times over. It was so monumental for me. And I watched the growth of 25 other people through it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there's this guy, David, he Uh Miscavige. He's he's great. He runs it. Yeah. Um, so it's called come alive and it's on Tofino Island. It's called the, the program, the, the facility is called the Haven. Um, you can look at it. It's in BC and it's in Tofino, one of the most beautiful islands. And there's different programs that you go do. And this one called come alive. My mom had found it. She's so good at like all mm-hmm. this stuff. And she just wanted to help. She was like, it's hard, you know, as a parent she saw you as somebody vulnerable and yeah. yeah. And so I, you know, first of all, though, showing up as a comedian, when you show up to like any self-help thing and you're sure. in a circle with 25 people and like just the, as we were going, the jokes were just fast and furious in my brain, fast and furious, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, fast and furious in my brain. But then of course you give way. And when you start to let the work come in, so the craziest thing happened because every day at this uh, there was seminars that you would do and then workshops with sure. each other. And every workshop, there were different things that you would get into. Um, but what we would do every afternoon, there would be two half an hour sessions where our instructors would take two people one at a time, bring them into the middle of the circle and ask them why they were there. Mm-hmm. And people came to this program for many, many different reasons. They would figure out what that reason was and then they would work through it through different exercises um, to help the person have a breakthrough. So you also would do this after dinner. There was private groups that we would all go off to and um, I had planned in my head that I was going to do mine in my private group on Thursday night. So it was maybe like we had been there already. Like, I, th- I think the program was a week. So we'd already been there for maybe four days right. and it was after lunch. And I was, I always had the same seat, but for some reason I decided to sit in a different place and I was sitting next to the instructor, Dave, and he was just, he's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like cheesy dad jokes, but just, Oh yeah. But I feel like a warm, like a warm hug. Yes. Yeah. And he's just one of those people that you cannot help him and Jan are, are, instructors like you just couldn't help but love them and uh so they had pulled me in sorry so we were sitting beside each other and uh, like they picked they the the teachers would talk to us the instructors would talk about us after lunches and talk about people's um progress and I we'd come back and they were doing a check-in with everybody we all did our check-in and then they for some reason they asked me Dave said my name and like my stomach just dropped and I knew that they were picking me for this thing. Right. Or he asked me a question. Yes. Like I made it, he asked something, I made a joke, everybody laughed. And then he goes, Lindsay, it's so funny that Mm -hmm. you spoke. That's what happened. And then I was like, uh, and then he goes, can we, they always ask for your consent. And they were like, can we 
work with you today? And I was like, of course, like you'd never pass up that opportunity. I was terrified. They brought me to the middle of the circle and I was lying on my back and my feet were implanted in Dave's stomach and he's holding my ankles and he's asking me, we're going through releasing because I wanted to forgive and I wanted to move on and I wanted to put this trauma behind me and not, you know, and just be healthy and happy again. Like I did, I felt like I didn't know what it was going to be like to be happy again. Right. So he was like, that's a weird unsettling feeling, isn't isn't it? it? I mean, you've been there. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're just like, we just recognize how tenuous the veneer of happiness Happiness is. is. And like, what is right? Yeah. So I had been pushing on him and he was like very tall. He was like six foot two, very thin. And I, I was pushing on him because they were getting me to do a pushing and a like and a sound. Mm-hmm. And and as I was pushing him, he just like couldn't stand st- like he couldn't take it. And he was like, uh, there was this trucker who happened to be. A- no, sorry. He wasn't a trucker. There was this guy. He was a. F- this program was amazing. This man, he uh, was a tour guide in the Yukon, like in the most remote part of Canada. And he would take people on hunting tours. Mm. He was very quiet. He was like so beefed up, beefed out, very rarely smiled, very rarely spoke. He was in my quiet group. He had not gone yet. He had not, he was just like so stoic, but I felt very warm. Like I had had a few conversations with him and he was very kind and very sweet, but just, you know, you're like the guy you'd expect to Yes, exactly. In the middle of nowhere. So he's holding on to my feet and like, even he can't hold me. Like there's just that much energy. Like you're pushing back, pushing with my, he's, I'm on my back. My legs and my feet are in his stomach Mm -hmm. and he's holding on to my feet. And I'm just like pushing with my legs, you know, like just like Superman, like leg press. Yeah. And he's like moving all around. So they go, okay, get up and he's going to hold your hands and you're going to try and like move your, you know, like push him back with your hands. Like there was a safe way to do it. I'm so sweaty. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like I'm sweaty. I've been sobbing and I'm pushing and I'm pushing. And, uh, I was saying all the things. If I say them now, I do feel like I'll start bawling and crying. So I don't want to, but I was kind of getting everything out and they were saying for me to make, um, this man, my ex and like, say all the things that you need to say. So I was like looking at him doing it. And then he just starts sobbing and he's just crying. And then like, we stopped the thing, uh, because it's like been long enough. Both of us are just like crying. Uh, and then they always ask you at the end, is there anything that you'd like? And a lot of people, would ask for a hug or something. And so I was just like, I was so out of it. I was just like, um, maybe just people can like hug me or say something, whatever they want. I don't. And usually it'd be like a couple people that would come up and do that. Like all 25 people came up and like everybody, the things that people were saying to me were like, see, and now like the, just, just the nicest things that like anybody and like all true things, but definitely things that are hard for you to think about yourself. If you have a brain, like I have, you know, or a lot of people just when you're, you're critical. And so it was so cathartic and 
yeah. And it was, it, it was like the first, it was the first real step in being able to get out of that, like shadow of that, of that life, right. of that experience. Yeah. I think those, uh, when you have those mirrors held up to you, uh, I know when I've been like in the weeds before and like those in, uh, interactions and relationships cause you to be like, am I, am I terrible? Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, in some ways probably, yeah, but like, uh, over, across the board, it just like, it, did I deserve this? Did I do yeah. this? And yeah. And just like having someone say something simple, like you were, you're yeah. wonderful. And yeah. it could just be like, just like all it takes is one little thing to be like, Oh, it's just like this release of yeah. thank God. Thank you. Cause yeah. I thought that I wasn't. Yeah. Cause why else would these things happen if I wasn't a bad person? Like why would that's always what I thought. Like, well, I must have deserved it on some level because it happened. Yeah, you're always moralizing things. Mm-hmm. In that, in, on on that tip, do you think, looking back at it now, or even in that moment, was there like ways to like, okay, I do have a level of culpability here, or like Absolutely. moving forward? Yeah, I mean, you have to. Absolutely, because I could have. I mean, because I could have just made the decision that whenever he was saying all the nice things, to not like fall into that feeling and right. listen to like, I just didn't listen to my gut. I listened to other people. Like I listened to him and I listened to my heart, you know? And, uh, and I just think I really did know better. And I mean, I had, to, you know, I knew better. How did, what did you do? So this was some time ago, right? Mm-hmm. This was a couple years ago. Yeah like enough it's like that's the thing too that it's like it's five years ago like i've moved on i've done other things but it always does just kind of like come up in different ways well i mean just telling that story just flattens time clearly yeah and i do think that play puts a point on like oh right i feel good i feel confident right now but it also just shines a light on that like uh how how we don't have very far to fall or it's like i think of it like a you know climbing to the top of a building you take those stairs it takes you a while to get to it and then you, but falling you down it's very fast very very fast and it feels like that's like yeah. what is it with a lot of like emotional psyche like it's just like just that that's a simple reminder like how delicate we are even though we're impossibly uh resilient yeah it's still just like oh we are that's, we are tiny little specks of dust that can blow away any second. Which is why, too, the other day when I was talking, when I said that it was just so frustrating to feel like back in a place. Right. Because you're like, ugh, I feel like I've learned this lesson and I've tried to do things in a different way. Why have I not surpassed this? For me, too, with, the, with this relationship, it's frustrating because I have had people reach out to me, like different women and certain things that have fallen in the wake of this other person yeah. and and they try to you know they to some woman want to protect her friend who i won't even say because it's a current thing but like this happened like two months ago and i was just like i'm so sorry i wish your friend all the luck in the world but right. like i cannot open that door again yeah yeah how was, what has that done for you, like, moving forward? Did that, like, cause you to question, because you had two relationships in a row that were, I'm sure there was some positive things to them, because otherwise sure. you would have like, been. Yeah, like, yeah. The, but, mm-hmm. but, like, what does that do in terms of questioning your own judgment? Did you, did you feel, like, really gun-shy getting back in? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Because I actually ended up, 
been having another relationship that was not supposed to be a relationship was with a much younger person and it ended up being kind of like this person you know ended up being a little bit of uh he had a lot of like he needed a lot of help and he had there were things in the end of it that i was like fuck i told myself that i was like not gonna end up here so here we go again so it ended up being three versions very different like Mm -hmm. he was not an alcoholic nothing like that but um but you know he ended up being suicidal and all this stuff and it was like i was just like what the but it what i'm like what the hell because i tried to protect myself so now i haven't dated anybody in a year Mm. i've been totally on my own and that's the thing because all these things with these relationships like i have always loved being on my own Mm -hmm. i'm not uh i'd say in these well, in the in this second relationship, the one that I had to take him to court and everything, that that was a truly crazy codependent relationship, and I've never had that before or right. since. Um, and that's the thing is that it's like I really like, I love my friends, especially now. Like I worked really hard after after that that abusive one. I really worked hard at my friendships and like rebuilding my friendships and being with people and doing the things that made me happy and what I wanted to do. Um, so I don't know. I just feel like it's freaky because I definitely can always see red flags in people and I'm not, I'm very selective. Like I've been online dating a bit, which is such a nightmare. But everybody does. Uh, everybody does. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's true because somebody said the other day, I really don't like the way that it makes me look at people like they're kind of like a video game. Yes. I think that is the thing that makes it both fun yes. and also demoralizing. Demoralizing. Yeah. But I'm very choosy on who I'm even selecting to talk to. Like it's a very small amount. And then right. from that point to actually meeting them is an even smaller amount. So it's like very here or there. And then truly, uh, there's been people that when I've met up with them that I'm like, okay, you know, and then there's, it's hard because I think those relationships I used to say too, is that the real problem, what a big, a big problem for me is giving benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Cause I give it to a, to a problematic degree. Sure. Cause that's what I would do when I'd say like, well, he called me a fucking bitch, but he was just like stressed out. He doesn't actually mean it. He just doesn't have a great, way of verbalizing how he feels and he loves me so much and I, you, you know, so th- most exactly. Things. And yeah. so, and that's up, that's the fucking problem. Yeah. I mean, it is good. Cause I do know that I'm super loyal and I will put work into my relationships. You know, it's like, cause that's also a thing too. When things are bad, you're like, for me, I was like, well, a relationship is work and it's not always going to be good. Mm-hmm. You should put in, you know, it's like, you're not necessarily, I'm not just going to take off on this person. Let's see if we can figure this out. Right. And that just gets you in deeper. The point of re- uh, recognizing diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, here's a question for you. Uh, at any point, have you ever like when you're going through the breakup or even since then, did you ever like wonder or be, I'm sure they were actually, actually dictating to you what their narrative of the relationship was what's well, interesting because i do know from from the, that second one like the house that he lived in one of my very good friends mm-hmm. she was dating one of 
his best friends who he lived with. We all know these people. Sure, of course. <laughs> and, uh, and it was wildly fascinating to yeah. hear this, the narrative that he would tell them. Cause this was after already once I kicked him out mm -hmm. and it was just that, like I was this awful person who, um, never thought he was good enough. That was always the thing is that I never thought he was good enough. He wasn't Jewish and which is like, I've had my, my ex before that, the one that my parents liked, mm -hmm. he wasn't Jewish. Right. Like the one that I was going to marry. Not a deal breaker. Marry. Not, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just like he thought that I was, yeah, just too demanding and wanted what my parents wanted for me. And mm. I couldn't think for myself. How much did that uh, bother you or infuriate you? Did you feel the need to like want to like correct it, correct that? I mean, I think so. Yeah. On a personal level. Cause it, cause because it's so ungrateful. Like the fact that he got to the fact that he got to do like, so he called me from set crying because he was booked to do two broke girls. Mm -hmm. just, this is so ironic. And he had not paid his SAG dues and he needed to pay them that day in full or he was not going to be able to shoot. Mm -hmm. As a person who was here on a visa, that's what I was doing when I, I wasn't allowed to work anything other than acting, writing, or whatever. This is a person that could have done every job, but he would be drinking here all day. And, uh, and I was paying the rent and paying everything. And I Ugh. went into my savings and put $1,400. And the fact that he got his SAG dues up to owing $1,400, but I paid that $1,400. <laughs> and, um, and like the fact that I had to come here and work so hard and I supported him mentally and physically and emotionally, you know, just everything. And financially, it was just like, fuck you, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, fuck you, man. Like, no. But I also know he's like a super huge liar and stuff. So it was like, people know who this person is. I've so many people had so many bad things to say about this person that I was just like, this is going to like, whatever. He's got to be him, yeah. you know? And yeah, he'll find a way, you know, it's like they'll find yeah. a way. Yeah. I mean, is there a level of like, uh, cause you know, you said like you're clearly very loyal and you worked a ton, um, maybe to a point of, you know, doing a disservice to yourself. Absolutely. But of course. <laughs> but like, is there a point like you're like, there's an empathy for like, I can see where this comes from to a degree. I can understand yes, why that's what happens is that that's where it gets you. It's like, Oh, I see you didn't have the family life that I had. Right. And I'm so grateful for the way that I was raised and the fact that my parents were there and that they love me and like, and that I got to do the things that I got to do that it's like, Oh, you were born in this situation and it made you the way you are. And I just, and I see the good in you and I want to love you and be there to support you. Cause that's what a partner does. Yeah. But it's like using those principles in a place that it's a disservice yeah. and it's a night. And it was definitely like a naivete on my part. Like it was like night. That's the thing. It's like at the base, if I'm going to say it like so crudely, I feel like a, yeah, like a dumb, naive person for, for just doing that. And isn't that also, it's also like a astounding when that happens when you're like, I'm too old to be falling for this shit. Yeah. But I will say a huge part of it. What I do realize was the sex. And it's like, I think that because we all talk about it, it's like when you are sexually binded to someone and for women, sure. More than men, and cause also I'm not somebody like my life was not, uh, just like 
I, I don't want to just like sleep around. Like mm-hmm. I need to be interested in the person and I need to have, um, a connection. Right. So the fact, you know, so then when you have all that stuff, it's like, it's like I was prime, prime pickings yeah. <laughs> for that. But it's my own, it's my own thing. Also as a kid and like always, because I was such a like dorky, I looked like, I looked like Harry Potter and I also looked like Ralph Macchio and like, I was just so boy crazy and I was always a tomboy and best friends with the boys, but like never, never an option. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that for sure, I know what I have grown into, but also when I look in the mirror, I don't, that's, you know, it's not like, whoa, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I just know that I'm like a dork and it's fascinating how those, that vision of herself never really goes away. Ever. Yeah. I really see. I mean, like, there's a picture I have down there of this piece that I did of me when I was seven that's, like, really iconic, and it's really who I am. Like, the mm. bulgiest eyes, the worst teeth, like, everything. So, you know, I definitely loved romance and all that, you sure. know? And just loved love. And so when you also have somebody that's so romantic also and so love and is your best friend, like, you, how can you not fall? Yeah into that don't fall into it anybody (laughs) yeah well i mean it is um uh i have found myself in you know complicated relationships and do you uh, have patterns you know i don't think so but um because i haven't had a ton of serious relationships but um but i think i you know um what am I trying to articulate? I guess just that when I find myself in a in an arduous when I found myself in an arduous uh, relationship, I know that like I'm very self-critical and um, just keep on looking for my faults in the relationship. Of which there were there are always many because there's always okay, times I mean, where I can where I you know fuck up or cavalier or um, or you know. I think that gut instinct that's telling you you shouldn't be here, but instead of actually acting on it and articulating and making the mature decision, you do other ways to kind of create right. a destiny. Right. Even if it's not like an yeah. egregious thing, it's like, oh, well, that was unkind. Yes. I may not be using words uh, to cut in the same manner that other people are capable of because that would make me feel bad, but I'm doing something else that is like because I'm not being, I'm not following my instincts. So I'm being, unk- I'm being unkind yes. in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that is when I found myself in those situations, it's like really hard. And like the way that you got emotional and just retelling the story, like those are that, that like flattens time and takes you to like a very emotional place where like, because you feel like a child, you feel so out of control because mm-hmm. you're like, this is not who I am. Yeah. I, I, I'm older. I am, I should have enough tools in my tool belt to fucking deal with this shit. Like if I was 17, I'd get it, but I'm not. How am I still doing this? Yeah. I think why, like, what is the, why have I not been able to just find that, that thing in that relationship and that person that doesn't lead to all these Right. Awful toxic places. And then it's also like, I think the, the thing, the, the self-critical nature is like, oh, I, uh, I deserve this. Yeah. I have met, not deserve this in like a uh, theological way or yeah. whatever, just, yes. but that's like, I have put myself in this position Yes, and I've asked for it. Yeah. And I also kind of want it, mm-hmm. which is also like a, a weird thing too. Like, why do I want this mm-hmm. thing? I don't know. I guess the, my mission statement is here is uh, 
the older you get, you think you're getting smarter, and you do in many ways, but also you become kind of dumber. You do. Because you have all this baggage that comes along with. Right, That which then you're like trying to use it as a tool to help you to not, but then maybe it's getting in your way. Like that's the thing too is just like am I – because I definitely don't want to be jaded. It's like, what's the difference between being jaded and then just being using educated decisions? Yes. Because it's like emotional stuff. It's hard to... Yeah. It's interesting because like, you know, say being 17, like you're all, you're dumb idiots then because everything's new. Mm-hmm. So it's like the first time you're yeah, feeling you've never, those things. Yeah, it's you've never fast, done that. And yeah. you don't know how to deal with it because yeah. it's like... You know, the first time you got drunk, like, what is this? And it's the same thing with, like, love. Yeah. Now you're much older. You know what that feels like. And you've experienced love. You've experienced it. But then you've had all these other things that have hurt you or, like, cut you or uh, scar tissue. It made you stronger. Yeah. But then it's like, and everybody has that. So you've got your shit. I've got my shit. Are they going to, is the yin is and the, the yang going to fit? Yeah. Or is yes. it just going to be two yins? Yes. And then that's going to be fucking not going to work. It's going to be triggering you, in a different way. Mm-hmm. It's so, like, when you think about... It in a like when you think about dating once if you start to get because cause just being interested in somebody, just mm-hmm. being attracted to somebody doesn't come to me that often. It has there's like a lot of things that have to come. I don't have a type mm-hmm. uh at all. Every guy that I've dated has been completely different than the other right. in a sense, even if it's broken down to some of these similar things, but like they've all been totally they look different, like just everything, act different. But, um, oh fuck, did I just lose that? Yeah. Is that, is that now when I'm starting to date somebody, like it's hard not to be so scared (laughs) to be like, what is this? Like if you start to think about you go on your first date and then you have a good time and then it's like, are we going to have a second date? Are we not? Like every little thing starts to become a, is this something? Is this nothing? Like yeah, it is. I, I found that uh, and I have, you know, have not been dating for some time, but uh, um, I. A while ago when I was like in like my single period and like kind of my like adolescence, because mm-hmm. I never really had like. In my teens, I was like very had uh, was very like kind of type A and just like I would go on something like, well, this isn't going to be forever. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're 18. <laughs> yeah, you're like you're worried about forever. To, yeah, yeah, forever. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then like 20s was sick and then also in a relationship. So I feel like I was like 32, 33 for the first time where I like had a booty call. Yeah. I'd never had that before in my yeah. life. And just like taking out that moralization of sex and like just being like, oh, we're two people. We're like honest and we're having a nice time. Yeah. This may not be like a thing, a for, thing that's going to mm-hmm. blossom into a, a real full-time uh, fulfilling relationship. But like this is nice. Yeah. Um, what was the point of that? But yes, but I found I get the same thing. Like when I get in my head about like worried about where is this going? What is this doing? So sometimes it's easy to take that off the table and just like make it like just focusing on casual. Yeah. But then it's it's like eating cotton candy. Yeah. It's not real calories. Like it can be very fun. Right. But it's also like, what, what am I trying, what am I, what part of myself am I trying to fulfill? Right. And how many times can you do it with that person? And I think it's also easy before it becomes. Yeah. Before like, am I going to hurt them or or am I going to hurt myself? Is somebody going to have expectations? And I do also think it's easier and I, and I could be wrong. I I should just speak for myself that at least in my thing, I think it would be easier for men to have casual sex. Like for me. For sure. I think that's. Yeah. Because it's also like, am I going to let the, like for me to have casual sex with someone, it's like, am I going to risk? Maybe getting pregnant. Am I going to risk like an STD? Am I going to risk, risk somebody you being not a, being a dick. able? Yes, or maybe assaulting me, yeah. or maybe doing something violent. Like it's like, like 
it's, yeah. it's a lot different. I mean, there was a thing what you said where this, your second ex was mm-hmm. saying, like, just out of nowhere, I hope you get your head chopped off. Yeah. And that was after two and a half years. He had never said that before. And that's, and that, but that is like, even if like, by and large, if a woman were to hurl something that kind of heinous at me, Mm -hmm. it would probably hurt me quite a bit. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if I would be, it would have to be go to such an extreme to be like, actually afraid. Yeah. Might be afraid for. Scary. Yeah. And that's, and that's like a thing that I take for most, I think most men take for granted Mm -hmm. intrinsically. Like, yeah. Because it's. For everything, my buddy just said to me, we were talking about, because I kind of was just like, Ugh, I kind of feel like I need to go do ayahuasca because I think it's like the next step in my spiritual journey just to get me completely over to the other side so that everything is rendered so meaningless but for just being. Right. You know, like I think an experience like that lets you see that all this stuff and all the things that have happened in the last couple of weeks that are frustrating me really essentially are so meaningless. Yeah. Um, and he goes, well, I know this really great place in Peru you should go to. And uh, but buddy, it's like six hours out of nowhere. And I'm like, well, can I just like do it in L.A.? I'm exactly. Because sure I'm like, yes, which it is. And he's like, but you really should do this experience. And I was like, well, but I kind of I'd probably have to find somebody else to go with because being a woman like. Mm-hmm to travel to the most remote place to go do a drug like this. Like I know that there are a lot of amazing shamans and people protect each other, but there are also the other stories that have been coming out. And it's like uh, men just don't have to consider it. And women, you cannot not consider it. Yes. And that is, uh, uh, it's just astounding. Like how much uh, people take that for granted. Mm -hmm. And I do all the time because I, yeah, but it's just like at least having the perspective, like right, 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 right. Uh, my kind uh, can be monsters, yeah, yes, and yes. Uh, and I don't have to deal with that as much. That's that's cool. That's very cool. I don't have to deal with that. My friend the other day, she's just newly single, and we've been kind of like you know going through her breakup and like getting her up her ups and downs. And she goes, we're talking about online dating, and she goes, Ugh, you know what? Meeting a man that's a stranger is my least favorite activity, and now I'm supposed to do it like through an app, and mm-hmm. what? And it's so true because it's like so many men don't. Think about the fact that there are enough out there that do really scary things. Yeah. I mean, even the benign things. Like, I went on a date the other week, and the guy told me I was having a good time. What? <laughs> yeah. Wait, like, because was he, was was it a bit? No. Well, no. I mean, he goes, he, we ended up, he thought that we were on a blind date, and I said, no, we're, and I said, why did you think? think that and he said oh because you texted me it's like we're meeting for the first time it's a blind date and I said no we've just never met before we're meeting in person it's like it's a blind yeah like not that this is my first time dating on the site and so then he had asked me about that I was like no I've gone on some I'm just being very selective and he was like he was already so cocky and weird and he goes oh and he goes oh we can talk about bad dates Lindsay we can talk about bad dates oh no I Love talking about bad dates. We won't talk about it now. And obviously, this is not a bad date. I'm really good to date. And I go, oh boy. And in my mind, because already he said, so he was talking at me the whole time. That's a nice trait. Which is always so great. Yeah. Yeah. And and then I asked him how, I was like, oh, how, how come you can tell like we're having a good date? This is also like 20 minutes in. And he goes, well, look at you. You're just smiling and you're oh having boy. a good time. <laughs> I was like, really? It, I'm smiling because I'm kind of so blown away 
by how ridiculous you are. Yeah. And also I'm polite. Also, this is the only way I'm going to get through this. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it was so funny because you know Juliet Tenef. Sure. She sat down beside me on a date as well. Oh, no. I, it was so funny. And I just looked at her. I hugged her. And I was like, oh, my God. Hi. I hugged her. And I'm like, help me. Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny and then I totally forgot his name his name was Joe but I totally forgot his name just because I was so thrown off because uh-huh. I was like oh this is my friend Juliet Juliet and then they did and then- also if you have like two percent doubt it's like enough it's enough yeah, it's percentage enough doubt stop. though I'm not yes. gonna say it I'm yes. gonna say like this is I'm gonna say I 100% know your name <laughs> and hopefully you help me out yeah to yeah. do the like the crossover yeah because that two percent is yes, terrifying it's terrifying yeah. and also yeah because I wasn't because this was a guy too because this is how I select people sometimes most of the time I'll look at someone and I'm really not attracted to them. They aren't Mm -hmm. necessarily, you know, it's like, I just look at the guy. I'm like, well, if he's super cool and, and by super cool, I don't mean like status quo. I just mean like has an amazing personality and it's interesting. Yeah, just fun to be with and makes, brings good things out in you. Right. But some people, you know, it's like cool means a different thing. But like, I'm like, if he's really cool and he's like an awesome guy, then I will be attracted. I, I can see that I could grow an attraction to this person. Right. So going in, I'm not necessarily, you know, so then when this like stupid dum-dum is being a stupid dum-dum. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Hubris. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell me how I feel again, please. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it was so long. And he couldn't believe that I didn't want to have a second date. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that's fascinating to me. I feel like uh, I benefit uh, in, in the times mm. when I was dating from the bar being so low. And yeah. it's a bummer that I'm benefiting because like I, um, both of my parents are, uh, both of my parents were, my father still is, uh, headhunters. Mm-hmm. And my dad just like, is just like, there's a curiosity cause they like teach people how to like ask questions and stuff yeah. like that. And I come from the train of thought, like when I'm meeting somebody new, I know all my stories. Exactly. I know all my shit. Yes. And I like talking about me. Everybody likes talking about yes. them, but like, I know I want to know shit. about yeah. you. So like I try to ask a lot of questions cause like I, I can I can give you my spiel and I can probably be charming enough I guess yeah but like I'd rather know about you yeah but the I because of that like I feel like I've let left dates in the past where been like well you know that's oh well that's just a night lost and then they are very into into it it. and then it's like oh because I just wanted to know about you yeah out of curiosity and I didn't talk at you yeah and that sucks that that's the bar Mm -hmm. because you know. I think I'm cool, but I got a lot of shit. I and, got my own damage and, yep. and can be selfish and all that garbage. Yeah. But like that sucks the bar so low. I know, so low. Like it's so crazy because I remember, you know, even in the bad relationships, like I've always had such a level of friendship mm-hmm. and that's so important to me because I think that gets you through everything, right? Because when after you get married, they were saying something like there's a percentage – Five years after you get married, your sex drops off by 60%. Oh, I I mean, five years feels generous. Yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you got to like the person. It's a cliche, but they should be your best friend. Yeah. You're spending all your time with them. So you should want to be with them a bunch. Yes. And so it's hard because when I'm like looking and selecting and going on these dates, it's like, oh my God, like the amount of time where it's like, the, it's just like, so much work or like there's so many red flags or just the things and it's just like oh, I just just want to have like my buddy that I want to bone like why is that so hard no you think it shouldn't be that hard yeah I found uh, I think it's uh it's very easy to find a lot of there's a lot of really nice interesting cool people mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of them mm-hmm. 
but it's really hard to find like the one the person that you're like yes mm-hmm. everybody get everybody clear get the out benches of the way. out of the way yes yes because that's that's the rare thing true love all that bullshit whatever that but just like finding the someone that. like that in intangible kind of connection and uh it's oftentimes incredibly irrational yeah <laughs> yeah but I think that is what, like, you know, you help that and you need that. And you can see people. Like, I was just even the other day I was in this, I was in Pappy and Harriet's on my way back from the sure. desert. And I was watching people and you can see, you know, the dynamics of, of all the couples. And it was so fascinating to see. I mean, there was really probably only, like, there was only one. It usually is only, like, one, I think. There was one couple and amidst, like, all the other ones they were in. And you were, like, uh, they really enjoy right. each other. You can tell they're just, there's an ease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, let me ask you this, uh, as somebody who has gone through, uh, varying degrees of trauma in a relationship and mm-hmm. several relationships, mm-hmm. um, uh, putting the label of abuse on them mm-hmm. or at least isolationist or makes you feel unsafe or insecure. What's your advice for people who are either in them or are trying to get over them? Ooh, that's a great question. So I think that first and foremost, you really always have to listen to that little voice, the littlest, tiniest voice that the thing that makes you feel in your stomach like you know it's not right is such an indicator. Whatever other things you're telling yourself to rationalize or stay in it or fear, the fear of being alone, the fear of not having the love of the person, the fear of getting away from the person, all of that is manageable and will be dealt with you just need to find somebody that you know that is close to you that knows you that cares about you either that you can go to physically or just emotionally because it depends on the situation to get yourself out of it but you can get out and life is so much better even though it's a process to heal and I can give a couple resources that help me but you just have to make the step and get out like you Everybody that's in a relationship, uh, abusive relationship, it's also like they're an alcoholic. Like you have to hit your rock bottom. And hopefully your rock bottom isn't getting killed by the partner, you know, or, or breaking something or facing serious bodily damage. But you have to listen to your gut and you have to get a friend. Then I'd say you need to get a therapist. And I think a therapist that that's uh, specializes in trauma is so important. And we, for me, I was really embarrassed to get into therapy and to get into trauma therapy. Right. I felt a lot of shame about that. Well, Cause it's stigmatized and also just on a, on a hubris level, just like, but I don't need this. I don't need this, Yeah, but you do need it. Al-Anon is a massive, mm. massive resource. I think that's also scary and it's hard to go to meetings and it's hard to, stay at the practice of going to meetings, but that's very important. Um, I think uh, programs like The Haven Coming Alive are super huge and helpful. Um, Finding spiritual teachers, whether, because I mean, I know people who have religion, you have to find some sort of spirituality just so that you get a practice because once you start getting that practice down, it helps you separate from all the abuse and trauma and it just puts you in a better mental health for your own. It's building a practice so that you have your own house and your own safe place within you. Cause this person has like 
taken it away. But friends are so important or family. So that's, I'd say. Yeah, I think that is uh, very salient advice mm-hmm. and uh, very well articulated. Um, I think um, you s- saying like listening to that, that little, that little instinct, that little voice. Yeah. I think uh, uh, why people and I, when I know myself have done it, it's like second guessing that because like, oh, what if that's just mm-hmm. fear? What mm-hmm. if that's afraid of yep. commitment? And what if that's afraid of um, really allowing yourself to be vulnerable and grow? And See, uh, that's yeah. exactly what, when you asked before, that's all the things, why, how I stayed in and got in the relationship. It was all those thoughts. Right. The little voice like, I'm, I'm, I'm shutting this down because... I'm afraid I'm of being, other things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, am I being superficial? And I didn't think I was being superficial. Am I being controlled by my parents and what they want? Oh, am I listening to like society and what society thinks the kind of relationship I should have? Like all those things. Right. Uh, it's really, it's hard. But like when you know that some bit, something isn't right, like one of the moments for me that I'll never forget, another friend that we both have, she it was a Sunday morning. I was in bed. He was like passed out and it had been a pretty tough night. And she had texted me and we hadn't spoke for a few weeks. And she was like, was just like, I'm just coming out of this. Like I've been, I've basically moved into my boyfriend's place. We we just started dating, but we've fallen deeply in love. He's, we're so happy. And like describing all the happy parts of this relationship and my stomach just dropped and I was in such the opposite place. And so seeing that, so if there's any triggers of things where it's like, you're seeing something like somebody's relationship or or something that you just makes you reflect on your own and know that you're not in that place where you'd like to be or where you should be. It's like, that's huge. It's a good metric. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, Thank you for uh, doing basically <laughs> your show on my show. Yeah, really? We didn't have to read any diary stuff, no, but we still no. got there. It's the diary of my heart. Yeah. Thank you for having a place where people can just be so open. Yeah, man. It's hard to find. I know. Outside of, you don't have to pay $150 for this. No, no. You just, you just have to take yeah. time on your busy schedule. Yeah. yeah, and let a whole bunch of other people listen yes. to yes, very the most private things. Yeah, I will say, though, like that is the another reason why I love doing this is just, I think, for the same reason your show is like I I just started it up like five, six weeks ago, so it hasn't like been the same thing. But when I was in a rotation doing it all the time, like we'd get emails every week of people being like, this story really helped me for this. This one made me feel not that alone. Is, this made me yes. feel like this reminded me when I was in this time and I want to say like good luck to like just like the things that like, oh, right. Yes. All the things that we don't talk about that everybody's going through the exact same shit. That's why I always encourage people who do my shows like to go to the vulnerable places because people love the funny stuff. Absolutely. Sure. But every single time if you've experienced that experience so many other people have as well uh, yeah we are yeah. nothing about us is unique yeah not a goddamn not thing one and that thing. is both very depressing and yeah. also really freeing yeah, yeah totally uh thank you so much man thank you i really appreciate yeah. it yeah yay i see evidence 
there you have it, friends. Another banner episode of Terribly Funny for the books. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for taking time out of your busy schedule, out of your evening to sit down and talk with me. We got real, and I think that was cool. Uh, really, sincerely, thank you, Lindsay. I really appreciate it. If you want to support Lindsay, and you should, check her out on Instagram. It's Lindsay Ames. It's at Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-A-M-E-S. Lindsay Ames. Also, check out uh, my at my diary show LA. That's where you can find out all about her upcoming shows. My diary show LA. You can also check out the website for Dynasty Typewriter, where you can get tickets. Uh, there you have it. Uh, go check out the show if you live in Los Angeles or if you're traveling. If you're a tourist, it's a fun thing to do. Get behind it. Okay, that's done. That's another episode. We're done here. Now just a few thank yous. Thank you to Kingdom Flying Club and Julia Pot for art and, art and music. Thank you to Hayden Fongheiser for doing everything behind the scenes that I'm uh, very much incapable of doing. And the biggest thank you, per usual, goes to you, dear friends. Uh, without you, uh, it's just me talking to friends. And that's cool, but it's, it's, it's really nice when we have a little audience and there's a little dialogue between a bunch of uh, sensitive cuties. Uh, I hope you guys have a great week. I love you. <laughs>